We're here. George is on mute. Good evening. Oh, I'm still on mute. No, it's I'm not. not. There over, we go. <laughs> it's a great circle <laughs> show, George. Hey, hey, listen, this, Rewind. This, this, this is what happened when they leave me in charge, and I have this all-star lineup of misfits and malcontents. Uh, it is George with Toilet Titles. We are doing the roundtable. Uh, we're not going to spend 50 minutes doing intros like we normally do on this show. Uh, with me to the left is Nino Brown, underscore T2T. Uh, to my right, Jared Gray, a.k.a. Boomer. Uh, down below me to my left, we got Mandarin5447, a.k.a. Sean. And right below me to my right, my brother from another mother, Jason, at BFT Jason, who once again is live streaming from Love's, uh, the local truck stop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what an evening. So I, I, I reached out this evening, see if I could get some people to come on and do this little roundtable with us on Sunday night. Nobody that was professional could do it, so... These guys volunteered, and here we are. Uh, we really don't have much of a game plan going in. Uh, we're just going to jump right into this. Nino was kind enough to do some notes talking about the NFL pup list. Um, teams are reporting this week. There's lots of players on the pup list. There's lots of people on the uh, NFI list. Nino, since you came up with the list, why don't you take it? Uh, give us some names. Give us some thoughts. All right, I'll, I'll go three three teams at a time, and then you guys can start rattling off what you think. We got Atlanta with Deion Jones, big. Baltimore, J.K. Dobbins, and Gus Edwards. And Buffalo with Davius White. What, what do you guys think about those those three teams and those names right there? Let me let me pop off on Deion Jones. Um, it tends to happen a lot with him. <laughs> uh, however, it always seems, if you're an IDP guy, you know I'm an IDP guy. He has been outplayed by the number two guy every time somebody else comes in. We saw Devondre Campbell do it. Now, Devondre Campbell's done it everywhere he's went, so that's why Green Bay finally signed him to a big deal. Last year, we watched Oluokun do it, and he got moved because they're still sold on Deion Jones for some stupid reason. And yet, Michael Jones, when he came in, he outplayed Deion Jones, so or Michael Walker. Um, so, yeah, give me my Michael Walker shares. <laughs> All right, now uh, how about how about them Ravens? Uh, I see a lot of passing going on. Who wants to take that? I mean, I, I don't think anybody's surprised seeing both Gus Edwards and uh, J.K. Dobbins on the pup list. There, uh, you know, um, Dobbins. More and more reports are maybe not ready for the start of camp. Not ready for start of week one. Like I don't know that that is getting more and more worrying. But Gus Edwards had an injury last year too. Him not starting camp right away, uh, you know, it is what it is. I do worry for the Ravens, though, because they didn't really address running back in any other way, shape, or form. So if they're both unable to go by week one, they're pretty screwed. Mike Davis. I know I, was I, mean, say, I know Jared likes Mike Davis. <laughs> well, the only reason I like him is I took my last pick as SFB. But my big thing here is, is, you know, we watched Ian Rappaport post it, you know, that he probably wasn't going to be – set up for camp, wouldn't be ready for week one. And then here comes J.K. Dobbins off the top rope, just like, listen, mother lover, this is this is, this is is bullshit, right? And it goes live, you know, at, during the Pat McAfee show, and they're like, yo, he did, he is on you right now. And then – roasted you, they said. <laughs> yo, yeah, they, they roasted Ian Rapport, man. I mean, absolutely slammed him on, live on the show. And then he wasn't lying about it. So who really <laughs> looks worse here? Now, because hey, to me, it's JK. JK, 
Come on, bro. The truth. Truth hurts, man. Yeah. You know? Truth hurts. But I put up a post on Twitter saying, you know, if you guys aren't really buying in on a, on that Bateman Lamar train, you guys are nuts, dude. Lamar's about to go off about six to eight games for those first couple weeks with no running. <laughs> He's about to put the team on his back. Bro, Mark Andrews. He's got to catch the ball. That means Lamar's throwing it. I'm telling you, it's going to go off. Uh, Travis White, he's a big hit in that secondary, man. Oh, yeah. But uh, listen, they got I, hope, to him. I, I hope I hope Travis White misses at least the first three weeks of the season. And that's just because the Dolphins play him week three. Um, now, you're missing a guy. Byron Jones is out, too. So don't I, Byron will be side. back, though. That, By, Byron will be back. I'm not, All right, I'm not but stressing it's about Byron. At least Byron. four weeks. Well, let's let's go into three other teams. Uh, listen, got- I, I'm I'm really not concerned about any of these guys missing time right now to start the season. Um, the I'm JK concerned Dobbins, about rookies. I'm concerned. About I, I'm more concerned about rookies. Listen, you could be concerned about J.K. Dobbins just because, like, the last couple of years he really hasn't played a whole lot. Like, he just he sat out all of last year. His rookie year, he only touched the ball 134 times in the rushing. Uh, that was the second half of the season, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and you're looking at Dobbins for three years and not a whole lot of uh, of touches or anything going on. So you could consider him like the rookie and be worried about him, even though he's been in the NFL system. System he's there for, you know, to learn all the little ins and outs and whatnot. But I, I think he'll still start the. Uh, I think he'll still start the season, like he said. Uh, he, he when he blasted Ian Rappaport, he said he'll be ready for the season. He said he'll be ready week one. He didn't say anything about uh, offseason or, or or when they report or anything like that. Um, I, I'm still not really concerned about a lot of these guys until it gets closer to the season. Like, a lot of these guys can be taken off the pup list at any time within the next day or two, and it wouldn't mean anything. So right now, right. like, we'll go over everybody that's on the list, but I'm not going to overly react to a lot of them. Uh, we Jared hit it before we, we went on. It's the NFI list. That's the list that that really has me concerned, uh, especially for some rookies and even for some veterans. Yeah, I just rookies on the pup list. Like I said earlier, off off air, like, they lose time. You know, they don't. They're not practicing. Yeah. They're not out there. They're losing it. So, cut the next oh, couple teams. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go over uh, the Bengals. I mean, they addressed the uh, offensive line, but Alex Kappa, he's out. Pup list, and then the Browns, David Bell, and Green Bay had Christian Watson and Robert Tanyan. So. I'm going to throw this to uh, Sean. What's your thoughts? Which one do you want to touch? The two names that concern me the most are Michael Thomas and Christian Watson. Michael Thomas just simply because we haven't seen him in almost two years now. So as the longer that he goes without playing football, the more you have to wonder if he's never going to be the same. If whatever this injury is and the recurring surgeries that he's had, Whatever damage he did by originally playing on it, you have to wonder with an ankle if it's just never going to get better. And with Christian Watson, as as I've written in, in an article before, everything about Aaron Rodgers is about timing. Everything about his relationship with Devontae Adams was about timing. He knew exactly where to throw the ball. He knew exactly when to throw the ball. And Devontae Adams was always just there. And Christian, I mean, uh, Aaron Rodgers has always had his guys, whether it be Randall Cobb, would it be Devontae Adams? And it was a lot of timing and routes and them knowing where to be. Christian Watson does not have a whole lot of experience in college running routes. I think his career high for receptions is 42. So realistically, he was drafted because of his size, his speed, 
and the potential that he has. But as far as his rookie outlook from a fantasy perspective, him the fact that he's not going to be at least in the first part of training camp is concerning. With Michael Thomas, it's more of just, is he ever going to be the same? We see him running routes. We see him running routes in shorts. But until we actually see him play football and see the Michael Thomas that you know led the league in receptions a couple of years ago, those are the two names from a fantasy perspective that make me the most worried. Yeah, Jared. So my issue with Michael Thomas is, is the first video I saw him a year after surgery was him doing box jumps with one legged. That's a therapy that, that I see four months in, not a year later. That's hey, if you ever seen a red flag in your life in football, that's it. Oh yeah. Huge issue to me. Well, so one thing we talked about you you mentioned was Alex Kappa, who came over from the Bucks being on the pup list, but one thing you didn't mention is Lelio Collins being on the NFI list. That's two huge uh, acquisitions on that offensive line that that are right now not going to be playing football, uh, trying to learn a new offense, trying to gel with their new quarterback, brand new offensive line, right? So, you know, a lot of times with those offensive lines, you talk about continuity and you, you start that here and now, and they're not going to be on the field with Joe Burrow. You know, Cincinnati proved they could do it without a decent offensive line, but they thought they solved it here. You know, I do I worry that either neither one or that either one of them won't start the season? It's too early for that. But again, it's kind of like rookies; these guys switch teams, so they're not getting reps with their new quarterback, with their new teams, with their new offensive lines. You know, uh, could that be a downside for somebody like Joe Mixon, who's got to run behind those guys? Uh, it's it's there. It's a massive upgrade when they're on the field, but both of them, two guys on the same team, not there. Hundred percent agree. Um, let's, I mean, let's those guys weren't there last year, and they still played pretty well. So, no, but I, I agree with Jason's fact that they they've made it a point to go out and address this. And two out of the three, they signed three. Two out of the three are now uh, one's on the pop and one on, is, is on the NFI. So it's like not a good start, you know. Volume, volume, volume. The more volume you get, the more reps, the better you are. But especially now, considering of, how efficient that offense was, you and they had twelve passing receptions of more than 50 yards last year. I mean, you're going to see a certain amount of regression in that particular area. So if the offensive line is not there, um, you'll see a lot more towards what we saw in the Super Bowl because teams are going to change their defensive strategy. People aren't going to do, you know, press zero on Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens prove that doesn't work. So you're going to see a difference in defensive philosophy, and they're going to have to be able to change it up, which means they're going to have to run the ball. Okay, so a couple other names, a couple other teams. We got uh, Indianapolis Colts with Darius Leonard, Los Angeles Rams. Jalen Ramsey's on the pup list after having soldier surgery. And then Georges Finns with Byron Jones. My Patriots, James White, David Andrews, and Jabril Peppers. So, George, what do you think? Talk about your man. I think he's on mute, so I'm gonna throw this one over to Puma. You, 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 uh, you touch on the team. Which team you like? Well, my my first issue is, you know, Darius Leonard. He Darius Leonard's yet to play 16 games. To see him on the pup, li- pup list after back surgery, right? Line, linebackers go through it, man. There's very few linebackers that have played, you know, non-injured, you know, for a long time, you know. He he's been. I mean, let's be real. 
he's one of the, if not the best linebacker in football uh, no. when he's healthy. Totally worried about Byron Jones. Uh, I think <laughs> he'll be that's ready to go for the season. That's, Everything. That's Georgia's. <laughs> that's Georgia's internet finally catching up to the rest of us. That gerbil finally going around that wow. wheel. Oh. That was a delay, oh. man. Dude, that was that was forty five seconds. Um, yeah. Jer- uh, Jared, you were making a comment about Darius Leonard, who, which I completely yeah, agree. Nothing. Yeah, my biggest issue with Darius Leonard is, you know, with him not playing that many games, a ba- you know, as well as anybody, back injuries are the worst, right? They, this kind of makes you wish that it never dropped Anthony Walker, you know, because you were a little worried about this anyway. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I love Bobby Okriki, right? But if you could have Okriki and Walker on the same team again, worrying about Leonard, you know, moving over to the Cleveland Browns, who still aren't using him correctly, by the way. Wouldn't you feel more confident that in your linebacker room with an injury to your best player who you just signed a major contract and then he gets injured again? Because he's got an ankle injury and a back surgery now. So, And then you see guys draft him in the second round of our RDP draft. So, It is, it, it is you know, he is one of the best linebackers. It's so crazy. Uh, you know, one of the things that, have come out recently is all the Madden ranking rankings. And I'm seeing all these people up in arms because Darius Leonard's not in the top 10, but you know, the old saying is what's the best ability availability and Darius Leonard just hasn't been available. So like he is, you know, uh, the skill abilities can be a hundred, but if that injury is hundred too, and he's not on the field, man, it just, just not worth, uh, you know, it's, it's, I struggle dude. Cause I, I love Darius will uh, Leonard, the player, but, Watching him come in injured over and over again, just tough to watch. Agreed. Agreed. Now, Ramsey with that, he played last year with those shoulder, that shoulder, and he, he played pretty well. But, man, that's a big injury for cornerback, y'all. Yeah, happens. I mean, to have this in, the surgery late is, is an issue to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's scary to me. Um, I think that's why you see Troy Hill back. So – to be honest with you. I think that's, yeah. a, that's a big deal for them. And we're going to – I think losing Ramsey is a big deal, but what they've gained, I don't know. That The Rams are the Rams, man. They're, they're solid. I, I agree. Yeah, he's, he's just a, he's a dog, you know. You know? But they a dog also, to the kennel. They also get to play in the NFC. You know Which what I mean? Is, there's not there's not a lot of contenders NFC side. For so. division. It really, it really is. So you know, uh, they can they can do with Jalen uh, coming in a little bit later and getting healthy. But it, again, it's not getting back to Jared's point. It's not what you want to see because either, either you thought he thought he would be fine without the surgery, or he just delayed it to miss camp. I don't know. Like, you know, he probably got some. He probably got some some info from the doc that you can probably just heal without the surgery, and then it wasn't going right, and which forced a, a late surgery. But again, he's in the NFC. He's They're going to be fine. Uh, it's the Rams, like you said. I, I think he still plays week one, week two. I'm not really well, worried about it. Yeah. I, I do too. I do too. I mean, next, you know, my Patriots are on this list. And like I said off camera, I'm kind of, even though it's a bad thing that James White's on the pump, I'm kind of excited because I think Strong will get some, some more reps and he could take over a little bit more of that receiving role. Obviously, you know, I'm with Jared with the Ramondi Stevens train this year. I do think Strong will get more of a carry. I have heard that 
uh, Brooks is going to get redshirted. So, Sean, what do you think? What's your thoughts? So, with White in particular, up until a couple weeks ago, they were talking about him walking with an uncomfortable gait. And people don't necessarily think about it, but the hip injury is more or less what ended Ryan Fitzpatrick's career, and hip injury is actually what ended Bo Jackson's career. So, I mean, you're talking about an injury that is not, I mean, when I was in the military, I saw 18-year-old guys who would go down for the count, weren't the same for years, who they had one hip injury and that's what it is. From what I gather, it's the same basic idea of what Fitzpatrick had. Obviously, he's much younger than Fitzpatrick um, to where the, the ball comes out of the socket and jams back in. But, I mean, if he's still walking with an uncomfortable gait, he can't walk correctly. He's not going to play the beginning of the season. There does come a point when you just hope that he gets better as a person. Or you hope that he just – he's I mean, he's done – he's been there for the Patriots organization. He's been there receiving back for a number of years. They do seem to rotate people in and out. That is more or less seemingly what they did with both Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong is, is that you'll have – Stevenson, you'll have Harris, Damian Harris, who doesn't generally have much of a passing role. Stevenson picked up the passing role last year and is probably, yeah, yeah, Justin, I understand. Um, (laughs) Stevenson will probably be as close to a primary back as you get with the Patriots and probably the one that if I was drafting a Patriots back in fantasy would be the one that I would, would head towards. But with Kevin White in particular, um, I don't know that he plays football this year. From the reports that I've seen, if he's still walking, if he's still walking with an uncomfortable gait, then it's he's still months away from being fully recovered. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the agree. hip injury is the worst injury I could see out of a running back, to be honest with you. I mean, especially with of uh, James White. He could be a coach. Because he does the cuts. Say what? I said they could, they, be, they could bring him in or just keep him on. It's like a player coach. You know what I mean? Because that offense, I'm not going to lie. I'm a fan. You, I can see it. But their coaching scheme of whatever coordinators is trash and there's no answer right now. So I could see James White just staying there for as, as a running back coach while maybe getting a few carries here and there at the end of the year. Well, my big issue is their offensive coordinator is a guy who doesn't – who's a defensive guy. You know, I, I, I still believe – Coordinator. Literally, they, 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 they listed all their coaching titles, and not one person is labeled as offensive coordinator, and not one person is labeled as defensive coordinator. So, literally, they don't have anybody with the title of offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator. It's I mean, so here, here's my thing with Ramondre. You know, obviously, you know, I'm a fan. Uh, he was the number one Juco player in the country, come out of Juco, goes to OU, has dual time with Kenny Brooks, both thousand yard rushers. Then he goes in here. You know, when you average 4.6 yards on your chances, but your catch percentage is 78%, bro, why do you need James White? Because you're the same. He has the same catch percentage. They're going that Shanahan scheme, though. That's where the rumbles are coming out. Like that West Coast style, bro. They're going to run three. And those people, not to change subjects, but those people that said, eh, Elijah Mitchell, he's the guy. Bull, I'm calling it now because they're already saying that Shanahan is determined to go to a running back by committee. So TDP, that bum Sherman, excuse me, and Mitchell are all going to get carries. So Elijah Mitchell is not going to be your RB1. Well, I mean, to say that the, the Shanahan system is is 
if that's what they run, it'll be more successful. So the reason that the, Sh the Shanahan system has had so many problems in San Francisco is they prefer smaller, faster, more agile running backs. And then they have that violent running scheme. So someone like Ramondre Stevenson, the way that he's built, or Damian Harris, they're much more, they're, they're built much better to take sort of the, you know, the running scheme where they're just going to run into the line over and over and over and over again. Justin, go, go to sleep, Justin. Okay. <laughs> All right. Last couple of teams that we're going to touch on on the pup list was a, uh, Sean obviously touched on Michael Thomas again, but there was uh, two other teams from New York, the G the Giants. Bellinger, I mean, he's a rookie, and I had high hopes for him, but I, I think that's going to hurt him. And obviously the Jets, Beckton's a mess. And Uzuma, he's obviously going to fall back to tight end too, I believe, with Conklin getting more reps now as it is. So, Anybody want to want to touch on the Jets and Beckton's disaster? Who cares about either team, honestly? Like, the Jets? Okay, so Becton may be, you know, kind of important for Brees Hall for fantasy purposes. But uh, let's face it, the Jets suck. They're going to suck this year. They're probably going to get four or five wins. So you, nobody really You know cares. what's worse about that? On a fantasy side, uh, if you look at the schedule, their first Wilson had – well, let's. Uh, we're going to do this because Wilson already had the worst schedule possible for any quarterback in the NFL, and now yeah. you lose your stud line, your linemen that help you have at least mitigate some of that. You, I mean, it's just getting worse and worse and worse, and everybody keeps all oh, well. Get Wilson, get Wilson, get Wilson, and I'm on the train of don't touch him at all, and I'm not. And honestly, I'm at a point where I'm not touching Brees Hall at all because. Because I think that his ADP is so high right now that after the first four or five games when he when they don't have aren't doing well, I'm gonna get him for pennies on a dollar. Oh yeah. And I the next year he's gonna fall out. Agreed. I agree. Because James Cook right now. That's your man. That's your man. Dude, balling out first two days in, in training camp already. Balling out. It's it's early What's, though. Right. About Justin Ross was blown out, and now his foot's in a boat, and he's done. So <laughs> you know what I mean. That's uh, I know I'm a what, Cook fan. I know you're a Cook fan. Go ahead, George. Sorry. No, you're good. What, what's interesting about Mackay Beckton is he, he, when he originally got injured and dislocated his kneecap, they said he'd be out for four to eight weeks. That dude missed the entire 2021 season, and then yeah. to start, to start, they, they put him on the NFI list. Like that's Terrible. not a very good sign at all. Like, Ooh. not at all. It's a big guy, man. It's a big, big guy. So, you want to roll into the, the sad, somber part and then roll back into some good news, George? Or what, what do you want to do here? I'll let, I'll let you take away with it. Go ahead. Let's talk about J.J. Watt. Like, and, and I didn't know what this was until about maybe an hour ago. And it wasn't <laughs> even because, Nino, uh, you posted it on, on the document here. It, it was more because I was just scrolling through Facebook and I happened to see it. Uh so if you're not familiar about what J.J. Watt did, um, he came across this post. This lady tagged him on Twitter saying that she was selling uh, her pair of J.J. Watt shoes and she was selling a J.J. Watt jersey um, to help cover the costs of the funeral for her father. And J she tagged J.J. Watt in it, and I don't think she was expecting anything of it other than, you know, maybe somebody who follows him sees it and helps with a GoFundMe or whatnot. But he ended up replying saying that he's basically going to take care of the entire funeral for her. 
yep. uh, and told her not to sell her stuff. So I, I wish there was more of that stuff being published from NFL players because I know that like we see all the bad stuff that that occurs with the NFL players, right? Like if an NFL player gets arrested for battery, like we see this. Yeah. If if they are out doing DUI, we see this. If they're in, involved in a high speed chase, we see this. And it's it's honestly it's a very small part of the NFL in my opinion, but it gets all the publicity and all the stuff that the players do for charity and things like covering funerals for people and stuff like that it is not seen. And I, I wish the NFL would, would publish that stuff and, and, and make that stuff more known. Um, He's done yeah. this multiple times. Yeah. yeah. So, so the thing, the thing is, you know, a lot of times with this, the crime statistics, the crimes that happen with the NFL, I like if you break it down per player percentage wise, it happens at the same rate as like the general public. Right. Yep. You know, the, the, the amount of players divided by the amount of crimes, it ends up at the same percentage and it gets blown up because we think we know these guys or these guys are famous and we see, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it, a lot of times when, when guys on teams do, do well, cause like everybody has a charity, right? Like everybody, you see, you look down at the Buccaneer stadium and they have like, you know, Evans kids and this, that, and the other, and the NFL and the players team up to do these charities. And you think, okay, well, some of that is just like the NFL pushing these guys um, to do these types of things in within their community. JJ Watt is not that type of dude. It's not just like, hey, the NFL is like doing this to help Tampa and the, their image and this, that, and the other. That JJ Watt does this stuff. I mean, like this out of the blue with just seeing it mentioned on Twitter. And those are the kind of guys, the guys that do the stuff that it, it you really need to shine the light on. And it happens, I guarantee you it happens every day. And I would guess that because a lot of these guys come from from like areas that really need some assistance and they go do this stuff, like you really should. They should be blowing this way more up than it does. And, it, and but, you know, what the violence and the crime sells and, and – J.J. Watt's a good story for five minutes and you move on to the next thing. And that's that's kind of just unfortunate. I agree. I agree. There. He did a huge thing in Houston, man. When he was in Houston and they had the, uh, I don't know, it was a, a, I forget what it was, Hurricane something. Hurricane he Katrina. so much yeah. money for them. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He should have been named man of the year for that. I believe he raised like over $12 million. Yeah, I believe so. $15 million. Like that. It was a ridiculous. Yeah, it, it jumped like five million off the rip too. It was crazy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was like five minutes in. Oh, it was wow. like five million dollars. It was crazy. Yeah, it was insane. It was all and that, that one was all over news. You know, had CNN, CBS, NBC. They were just running with it because they saw an opportunity for them to make money. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, anytime, anytime you can pile tragedy on, right? Like you something. Oh like yeah, yeah. The bleeds at least. Like, <laughs> exactly. You could probably, okay, a good story coming out of a tragedy. There, It's going to be huge, but these little oh, stories. Yeah. They'll show a picture of, like, you know, the family struggling and a little blip of J.J. Watt in the corner, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, obviously, George, we, we talked about that that sad news with uh, coming out of Houston with John Mechie being diagnosed with uh, leukemia, it is? Yeah. So, apparently, uh, John Mechie III, uh, rookie for – the Houston Texans. So we're going to stay right here in Texas for a few minutes. Yep. Uh, I was diagnosed with leukemia, um, which really sucks. Um, I, I, 
Listen, I'm not a professional athlete. I know that's like breaking news. Uh, you know, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> it, it might be shocking to some, but I'm not a professional athlete. I've never worked my entire high school career, my entire college career, to get to the the, the top one percent of the top one percent in my profession to play professionally, and then have it literally ripped away from me. My after being drafted in my first season in in, in the NFL, so knee out too ACL, and then think you're coming back. Yeah, like so. I I did play football in high school. I played Pop Warner, but I, I like I said, I, I'm not a professional athlete. I didn't choose that career path and try to excel in it. That wasn't in the cards for me. But I, I can't imagine, you know, these guys working as hard as they do, dedicating their whole entire career. And and to me, Mechie seems like one of those guys where, yeah, he's super talented and and he's athletically gifted and whatnot. But it it was also something that he had to work at to get there. It wasn't something that just came naturally to him to where he could, you know, slack off on the side and not have to put as much effort into it to get to where he was or where he wanted to go. So for him to be diagnosed with leukemia, um, and granted they caught it early and it is treatable, but still, uh, it, it sucks. It absolutely yeah. sucks. Oh, you want to say something, buddy? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if, People know James Conner's story, but James Conner got leukemia while he was in college. Yep. And, yep. you know, he was expected to be a first-round draft pick. He sits out a year, deals with leukemia, comes back 1,300 yards, phenomenal year for Pittsburgh, um, gets drafted into Pittsburgh, which is even better for him, to be honest with you, uh, gets to stay home. I really hope James Conner reaches out to John Mechie and gives him his story, helps him out, because there's very, very few guys who have fought and won cancer and got to be the top 1% of their profession. And, and James Conner is one of those guys that can actually say that. Now, in another sport, uh, last year, Trey Mancini for the Baltimore Orioles, he, uh, he had beat cancer, he came back, and I think he had 30 home runs and was close to 300 batting average, which is unbelievable Anybody that can like, beat cancer and just live a normal life, never mind still be a professional in itself, kudos to you, you know? Yeah, so you, want, you want to say anything? And it is, it is one of those things like Jason was talking about before where as a community we do often spend so much time on sort of watching it burn, um, various stories, just that's more or less what people talk about, even in the, the general public, just about celebrities and things like that. I think this is a time for our community, with you know, fantasy analysts, whatever it might be, to sort of send the outpouring of support to John Mechie because it's got to be a relatively deflating thing. Now, I'm sure he's gone about it like, I'm going to beat this, I'm going to come back, because when you, when you are that dedicated, when you make it to the NFL, you have to have at some point had that mindset. Regardless of what happens, I'm going to make it. But I think from from our perspective, similar to James White and how you just hope he lives a normal life and can walk and, you know, gets out of this 100%. With John Mechie, the, the first thing that I would say is just just do whatever you can do to get better so you can be there for your family and your friends. And I understand that they caught this early and that, you know, he has the best doctors that, that money can possibly buy. But as somebody who, I, know I lost my father to cancer, like I understand the 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 struggle that that fight is so for me it's just telling him that you know we're all here for you 
we all have, you know, had someone, we've all known somebody who went through that fight who, you know, at some point either made it or did, either made the struggle or didn't, that your first thing should be be there for your family. And if you can come back and play football, everyone, all fans of all sports teams should be there for you. Because regardless of whether or not you like the Texans or not, he's done something that no one else has really ever done. And not only that, we can all sort of be there with him to sort of, once he finally steps back on the football field, whether that be next year or the year after. I mean, it's a, it's one of those things where, I mean, there's, there's nothing like it because it's going to be sort of the top of the mountain for him. Even if he never becomes an all pro player or anything like that, he did something, he fought, he came back. But at the same point, you just kind of want to say, you know, my heart goes out to you and I hope that this all turns out well for you. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, jumping on Reed. what you said too, like he's at least he's now in uh, the NFL, right? Like he's got the doctors, yeah. he's, he's got the insurance, right? Like um, it, that's, that's huge. <laughs> that's, that's huge. Especially, you know, I, I can't imagine going through that as like, even, even as a college player, like we just talked about with Connor, like, you know, I don't, I don't know how the college. So by the way, we do have to mention that the Justin survived cancer and uh, he is at the top of his game. So like they, you know, he, he was able to, uh, to make that comeback and be at the top of his game. He's not here with us tonight. He's, he's working, but uh He's here in our heart, though, Jason. He is, absolutely. Right. absolutely. He's here in spirit all the time. <laughs> yeah, man. So being able to make it to the NFL got got him the best doctors, the best um, care, and, and good health care. So that's that's huge in, in helping him recover, too. Can, can I just say one thing about Justin real quick? Because I know he's watching. Yeah. Um, it's not talked about enough with him, but, like, I'm very disappointed in him. And let me explain why. <laughs> Like oh, these guys oh. made it to to the NFL with like James Conner went through leukemia and he made it to the NFL. Um, John Mechie, he's got cancer, he's got leukemia, he's in the NFL. Like, could you imagine the the story that could be told if Justin was the first player in the NFL with one ball? Like, <laughs> like that story just writes itself. I didn't know we were putting that the on the air. That story is never going to be told. It's only nine thirty. It kind of it kind of hurts my heart. Well, so let me say, I wish, I wish Justin would have aspired for a little bit more. I, I will say, Justin, Justin is the Lance Armstrong of fantasy football podcasting. He absolutely yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, we have he the title title's Lance. Route, and that's fine, but like, I wish I would have known Justin way back when, because I would have encouraged him to reach higher. That's all. Can't be. Can we get a special graphic with you know something with the Lance logo and Justin somewhere mix, mixing together? That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I just, George, don't be mad at me. I'm going to go off the top here because Coach just dropped a list. And this, I I know Sean likes college football. So I want to know what you guys think about Coach's top five uniforms. I know Jared's ready to rip them. I know he is. Look at at his face. Listen, I just went (laughs) for having one ball, okay? Jared, take the floor, man. You got this. Go ahead. I'm going to sit back and I'm just going to listen to you rip these uniforms. Go, Jared, take the floor. You got this. It's all you got. Right, here's, the, here's the first issue. How is LSU even on this list? <laughs> I mean, listen, let me just put purple, yellow, and white together in two hey. combinations because 
That's the only combination you got. You are you honestly telling me LSU <laughs> is a better uniform than a traditional uniform in Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Penn State? Come on, bro. Michigan, uh, Oregon. Even though Oregon has four hundred thousand different types, <laughs> right? How is LSU on this list, right? And I, are, are we talking about tradition? Because traditionally, it's trash. Be, uh, I'm mind blown that LSU was on this list. I, to be honest, I with think you. he went They're with, with my the top hottest, fifteen, the hottest looking uniforms. That's what he went with. Because I, I, I hold on, I can bring up the quote. I think go, he said the hurricanes. Go with the list. Were honorable mention. With so, Nike jerseys. Because go, go, Adidas, through, go, go through the trash. whole list real quick, just so everybody understands, Nino. Real yeah, quick. Yeah, go through the list because I, I heard okay, he's so, not on so, the list. Oh, okay. All right. So, one, he has USC. Okay. Two, Florida Gators. Three, Florida State Seminoles. Four, SMU. I, I don't get that at all. LSU. SMU or Ole Miss? I like SMU's colorways. No, it's SMU. SMU, my friend. I have to Google SMU's jersey. Dude, I I, I literally – I could take all five off this list. (laughs) Oh, my God. Coach is going to kill us. (laughs) No, hey. I mean, I'll be honest. Is it it because a a lot of these players have, you know, from Dallas have went there or or what? Like, I'm just – Jared, I want to hear that. I don't know. Take all five schools off that list. Give me your top. Give me, five. Give me your top five. Five from five. So my, I, I thought I. I mean, so Penn State's number one. The classic is just absolutely phenomenal to me. Um, I have Oklahoma at number five, probably, and it's not because I'm an OU fan. It's because they they have not stuck with trends. They have been classic. They're staying with it. They, every team's push, push, push to go to a new uniform. The NFL's doing it. They're all black uniforms, all white uniforms, whatever, right? I am down for an all-classic uniform. Now, I like USC on this list because they've yet to change, and I do like that. That's probably the one team that I would have kept on this list. There's no way I'd have LSU on here, by the way. I just, I just, It's totally mind-blowing. Um, I thought Miami was on the list, but maybe I'm wrong. The honorable mention. The, the honorable mention. Yeah, it's the honorable mention. So, and, and I'm okay with this to a point. Um, I'm okay with that to a point. I just don't get – so honorable mention is is Miami, okay? So and that's their new uniform, but I'm gonna t- that's, you can't that's tell Nike me uniform. That's the Nike. You cannot uniform tell me that SMU's jersey or entire combination is better than Notre Dame. I just no way. You can't tell me Florida's better than Notre Dame. You can't. I I, I like Florida State with the tomahawk. Bro. I'm a huge Florida State fan. My my favorite football player of all time is Derek Brooks. Okay, so. I'm maybe I could keep them in the list, right? That Gators colorway is fresh, bro. Especially with the orange. I do like the Gators helmet. You know what I mean? They got. But, I think he took in everything: the whole colorway, the scheme, the helmet, the gloves, the whole nine. Okay, but I mean, if you're talking, if you, are the Gators better than Oregon's colorway? Which one? No, the seven. I can't get behind all black, colorway. all green, all silver. The all silver from Oregon is nasty, bro. It is so um, nasty. We are getting, yeah, it's one of the cleanest uniforms right now. How can you be a top five uniform when you can't pick one? I just gave you five. No, no, no. How from Oregon's perspective? So I get Notre Dame, I get Penn State. I even 
I get Oklahoma. What what I don't get from Oregon is, is it was real trendy 15, 20 years ago for Oregon to wear the many, many colors of Phil Knight and be, you know, Nike University. But I, I can't get behind the the constant changing because there is no I mean Joey Arrington's uniform is probably Joey Harrington, sorry. Joey Harrington's uniform is probably classic Oregon. But I mean, every time I watch an Oregon game, granted I don't catch very many, it's a different color. So I mean but it says uniforms. We're not talking about one specific uniform. So, it, so are, are we saying – because the, you can't tell me LSU's uniform is – is that flashy by any means? I'll take Iowa State's all-black uniform for doing that. I wouldn't have LSU on the list. I wouldn't have LSU on the list. I don't have, I don't I don't have, have SMU on, on the list. I like the SMU, so I'm not going to knock them for that. I like the Gators – I don't like the Seminoles, but I think the program was the best football movie ever. I think that jerseys have played out, in my opinion. But and I actually okay, like so, the Adidas Hurricanes jerseys. To be honest with you, I don't know why he hates on them. I, I just don't. I, I, I now don't get me wrong. I, like I said, Miami Miami's was on the list, and I and I'm okay with that. I would rather Miami be on the list than LSU in the top five because I think it's a good looking uniform, right? But LSU's isn't. I'm I'm gonna put Notre Dame or Penn State in there way ahead of those for sure. It just seems like you're you're more traditional in what you like. But I'm not. That. I just brought in Oregon. I mean, okay, but yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess oh. But that's true. But I mean, <laughs> I, like I'm I'm looking at FL two drinking, and he kind of he matches my thoughts a little bit. Where like Notre Dame, their helmets great, their uniforms bland. Penn State, Nittany Lions, they're blue and and white and that's cool i guess but there's nothing there i i'm not look i'm not a college guy i you know i just i i see the uniforms they're fine what, but, what is that what's that saying jason if they're good you'll see them on sunday yeah if the players are good i'll see them on sunday um but uh <laughs> what, what but you might not what about charlie ward one of the greatest football players in college football history is went professional basketball for 14 years I mean, I did I did see him play for the Knicks, but he wasn't good enough to see on Sunday. So he was good enough to go to the NFL. He was a Heisman he Trophy winner. His career. Okay, how many Heisman Trophy? That was Eric Crowe. You want to go through the list of Heisman nah, that... players that weren't good enough for the NFL? Well, I most mean, of most of most of them got injured. It's a pretty damn yeah. good list. That dude's a two one of the greatest two sport athletes of all time, bro. He was going. He could have made the NFL. He would have made the NFL with no problem, and he probably would have started in the NFL on certain teams. He was good enough to make the NFL. He chose to go the safer route and make the same amount of money. So here's the, here's here's my thing with, with Charlie Ward. I think he was good enough to play in the NFL, but I don't think he would have been a great NFL quarterback. I think he would have been a journeyman backup quarterback his entire career. I think by going to the NBA, getting guaranteed money for him was the smart play. I agree. So, wow. Justin killing you, screen, but you can constantly comment. <laughs> I mean, know. here's Jared. Jared, I just gotta say, man, I, I get the Heisman thing. Danny Warfel was a Heisman winner, not good enough to play in the NFL. No, he sucked. Dan, mean, Danny War, <laughs> Danny Warfel was all pretty, also pretty old when he went to it. Who was yeah. who was the dude from Florida State that was like seventy nine when he won the Heisman and went to the NFL? Chris Winky. Winky. Yeah, Winky. Chris Winky. Winky. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. But you got you. We got to talk about this. Chris Winkie went to, you know, a startup Carolina team who had Tishamunga Biakabatuka at running back, who was a beast. 
He was. He was a beast. Right? Can, can, here's my question. Can you name a wide receiver on that team? Steve you Smith probably didn't man, even know Tim, Tim Biakamituka was the running back. Was Steve I Smith there? I'll be honest. Was that like I his know, rookie season? I, I could tell you who was on the Jaguars <laughs> when they expanded the same year, but I couldn't yeah, tell you who was on the Panthers. Jake yeah. Delone, right? <laughs> he was on that team too, wasn't he, Delone? Was Delone Jake Delone was on a couple years later. Oh, I thought it was Wanky and Delone at the same time. Mm. I think it was. No, not right off. Because it was Kerry Collins. Well, Kerry Collins came out and Kerry went Collins to the Giants. Was with Delone was with Delone. Delone beat them both out and took them to a, almost to a Super Bowl or to a Super Bowl. Uh, like I said, I, I mean, it's kind of like Brandon Whedon, right? I mean, Brandon Whedon went to a bad organization, didn't play well. My thing with Whedon was he was 90, so he shouldn't even been going in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> he shouldn't have won the Heisman that year. Can, can we agree on that? Yeah. Josh Heupel should have won the Heisman that year. Look what he does as a coach. He turns teams around with a blink of an eye. <laughs> Josh Heupel honestly should have won the Heisman that year. It's just the facts. Look at look, just look at the stats, and then they got and then Florida State got embarrassed by Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. It's the truth. <laughs> embarrassed. So, I mean, I guess it's a perfect segue to get into a, a draft because Justin keeps banging us away. But real quick, did anybody catch AB new profession as a rapper at Rolling Loud this weekend? I saw this on Twitter. Boy, oh my! Dude, his peers are giving it to him. He better find a new career because <laughs> this was terrible. Anybody catch it? Listen, I, I I used to listen to, to rap and hip hop like back in the nineties and two thousands, and that's when it was good. Agreed. Like today's rap is terrible for the most part. Je so George has gotten old. Here and say that it's not good <laughs> doesn't really surprise me. George has gotten to that age where nothing past his prime is any good. Uh, he's still listening to MC Hammer. It's like the MC Hammer era was the end for George. No, no, absolutely not. Listen, I, I George had parachute pants. You know he did. I mean, I guarantee he did. And Vanilla Ice, can't touch no, this. All that Tupac, Ice Ice Baby, NWA, Snoop. I used to listen to all of them. I can't stand the like. There, there's no skill. And, and, I can't even understand a lot of these new guys. George hey, is this, mumble rap. Are we, are, is we are we hitting my boy Eminem? Because oh, Eminem's doing it. No, hey, listen. I'm listen. talking about mumble rap. Oh, Le'Veon Bell, AB. Real quick. Eminem is close. Rap, one of the top five greatest rappers in, in ever, ever. This is George. George is this close to getting, hey, get off my lawn territory. We're, we're <laughs> almost there. We are we are I, right I, around the corner yes. and get off my lawn. Yes. So uh, is AB still the president the of Donda Sports? I you think so. No, I so believe so. Has He's it. still Donda Sports. Oh, yeah. He's still with Kanye, 100%. Two drink That's has it right. Beasley is way better than Lev Bell or AB combined. Oh, absolutely. I know. I agree. He's a country rapper. Right? I agree. Is he a country rapper? <laughs> no. Crazy. No. No? What, he, he's a rapper? Yeah. Go he, listen. Oh. You heard some of his stuff? When he was with Dallas, it was fire. Go listen. It's not, listen, uh, I, it's not something I would check out. And I, the only reason we listened to it is because it was a running joke on, on the Blitz George and I used to do. On Sunday mornings, somebody would call in and talk about a uh, about Beasley's rap. So we'd we'd play some every once in a while. Yep. But it's surprisingly not as bad as you'd think it would be. It's a hell of a lot better than Le'Veon Bell's rapping. Well, yeah. and, and Antonio Brown's. So I I haven't listened to it, so I can't say. But I will have to uh, just go with the consensus on it that Antonio Brown is probably not a good rapper. Ah uh, no. No, it's it's like he's talking. He doesn't even have any kind of like 
He's not in tune with anything. It's terrible. Hey, I Sam Hunt's a better rapper. Seconds of a minute video. There you Who? go, Sam Hunt. Yeah, I can listen to Ed, Sam Hunt rap. Ed Sheridan is a better rapper. <laughs> I'm on the so, clock. I'm surprised he's not yelling at me. Hold on. Oh, you know he will what? be in a second. I'm going to go live. I'm going to go as, four, four. I'm taking George Kittle. Let's as roll. a member right. of this panel, he actually enjoys modern rap and listens to it. I like That's rap. I mean, I like I Russ. Still, you know what I mean. I like rappers like that. You know, but I'm not. I'm not into AB. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I mean, real listen, quick, I wanted to ask you. You know, redraft season's here. Everything else. You know, get off the rap talk. Jared, hold on. Let Let Sean finish the sentence because we've cut him off left and right. Oh, sorry. sorry. So, as someone who listens to modern rap and I grew up with it, and I understand mumble rap and drill and all of the many subsections of what modern rap is. I mean, this isn't new. Like, I, what was it? Shaq used to rap and, you know, all you these athletes. Believe, a lot of it is the athletes have so many people around them who don't, like, we all grew up as musicians or want to be musicians. And someone finally said, hey, bro, not for you. And, I mean, <laughs> they probably just don't have that. Granted, I mean, he's got one of the best rappers of his gener of this generation or of the previous generation as a at least a business partner at the very least i mean i don't know particularly i didn't watch the youtube video i've seen it on twitter of antonio brown i can assume it's probably not very good i couldn't tell you positively or not but i mean if kanye is willing to let him do it i don't necessarily have an issue with it because i mean kanye is up there as far as this last regardless of what you think of kanye as a person as a rapper he's top five of this last era he's fantastic but he's also crazy as antonio brown is so him allowing antonio brown to rap on stage doesn't mean that he's any good it just means kanye think it'd be thinks it's going to be entertaining it's views it's people. and it was very entertaining oh yeah it just we're talking good. about it we're talking about it other people have been talking about it so that that sometimes that's all they need that gets them you know views that gets them out there rolling out is a big music festival so for him to even be on that stage i mean i guess it's a good thing for him but he got to perform a little bit better <laughs> as a promoter for for kanye to promote antonio brown like that's it, he may be a terrible rapper but business-wise it makes sense because he's going to release small clips and small little videos of it, and people are going to watch it, and people are going to click it, and, and they're going to make money from it. So even though it's something that is just terrible and no good, and the guy has no talent whatsoever, if you're just looking at it strictly from a business perspective, you know, and that's what Kanye is. Like, he's crazy as the day is long. I agree there with Jason. But as far as a business mind, he's got a pretty smart business mind, and he'll make money off of Antonio Brown's rapping, no matter how bad it is. All right, Jared, you were going to talk about we're in redraft season. Okay, so we're in redraft season. My, my biggest question, you've seen high ADP, low ADP stuff. Can you guys give me, before we get off the air, because, you know, we're coming in about an hour real quick, if you could give me some somebody that you are reaching for and that you're backing off of. Like, who's your bus candidate that everybody's really high on, and who's your – Hey, I'm gonna go get this guy because I don't think people. I think he's gonna be better than his ADP. So I don't want to give you that guy because I'm getting ready to draft, and I don't want you all to take the guy I'm pointing at. However, the guy I'm t uh, 
the guy I'm off of is Gabe Davis. I've been off him too. <laughs> but here's the thing. I was in on him early, but now he's he's going off at like 21, man. 21 is insane Sorry, for this Gabe. Way. This way. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so 21 is insane for Gabe Davis. You will have to, look, he's going to have to hit way bigger than he. it's even possible at this point to get value on Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis, I am out. He regressed three years in a row. His stats three years in a row have gotten worse. Outside of the four-touchdown game, they've gotten worse. I'm taking my guy, the boom, Kadarius Tony. You, you, keep, you and Coach, man, you've been on Tony. I, get, I mean, it is ADP. Right. Bro, he's going to be wide receiver one on that team. Kenny Galladay can go walk somewhere. See you later. So the, Dude, the guy that I want, is insane. the guy that I want, the guy that I would be willing to reach for, is T. Higgins. I, I absolutely love T. Higgins. Listen, Joe Burrow is the er, is a hell of a quarterback. Jamar Chase is going to be the big play guy. Like, everybody looks at how much of a fantastic game uh, year Jamar Chase had last year, but they forget he had two, not one, but two 200-yard games. So a lot of his, his plays are big boom-bust games. I, I want the guy that's going to be a lot cheaper. I can get him a couple rounds later. And I don't have to worry about him booming or busting because I believe he's ultimately going to be, you know, a guy you can get that will finish as a top 12 wide receiver and it's safe. And that's going to be T. Higgins. Well, what's his current ADP? In in our 16-team draft, he went at 311. And that's 16-team, so you're talking the fifth, sixth round. Okay, so what about what about Tyler Boyd? I was I just going to say, dude, I had Tyler Boyd last year. He was booming. Of Tyler Boyd. I, I think you have to get an injury to Higgins or Jamar Chase for him to return solid value. Look what he did last year. You they were on the team. Yards? You're you're not gonna listen, yeah, you're almost, not gonna feel safe putting Tyler Boyd in your starting line. And oh, most, I feel safe. And and most I feel safe, dude. Have, in most leagues where you start one quarterback, two wide receivers, two running backs, one flex, you're not what gonna you're not gonna want to put Tyler Boyd play, in that flex. Who plays in those leagues? <laughs> Uh, more people than you would believe. That's the most common league. So, like, we play in these George, extravagant. George, play in these was that like five teams. years ago? Are you showing your age right now? Because most leagues listen, I see way listen, more there spots are than millions that. And, listen, there are millions and millions of people who play fantasy football who don't play Superflex. They don't They're in wheelchairs. No, it's not true. Very basic. <laughs> listen, Nino, you know, uh, I, I, I like to give George a lot of crap, but, like, we're in we're in a bubble where we play in these mm-hmm. off the wall leagues where even two George and I are in a home league right now where we've tried to talk them into two quarterbacks every year and they keep telling us well that's just for them fancy f- fantasy football hey, well, internet if like my quarterback loses I've got no chance exactly so it is more common than you think we're in a we're in a bubble where we like the different rules we like a Scott Fishbowl that would make the common person's head explode. We we I'm like not 30, I'm that. in thirty plus leagues and none of them is a one quarterback league. None of them. Wait, you just spelled out. You just Twitter. spelled out Twitter the problem. You just spelled out the problem. You're a guy in thirty plus leagues. That is in no way shape <laughs> anything normal. I think you know. So, what I mean. so here's my question with the Tyler Boyd. Back, back to this real quick. Yeah. Right. We're talking about a guy who had 67 receptions on over 90-plus targets, right, who only played in 10 games, 
yeah. right? Who only started in 10 games and his catch percentage has been over 70% for Damn. two straight years. And um, here's my favorite part about it. He's a short, I mean, we're going to put Higgins and Jamar Chase on the outside, right? We don't, we have an unproven tight end that we don't like in Hayden Hurst for your quarterback. Cause he likes CJ Uz Uzama. Yeah, you might like him, but his quarterback doesn't know him. You know who his quarterback knows? Tyler Boyd, who's Boy. been with him since the beginning. And he faces averaging nine yards, nine yards per target. And the third-ranked cornerback on that other defense is going to be covering Tyler Boyd. So nom, 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 eating all day. A lot of the things about Boyd. So uh, the series that I started today is thirty-two teams in thirty-two days. One of those people, one of those players, is Tyler Boyd. The thing that you look at is he had 2,000-yard seasons before Higgins and Chase showed up. He had seasons back-to-back, 1,000 -back, yards before Higgins and Chase showed up, which people would then lead to being regression with the 800-yard seasons he's had the last two years. But as defenses start to adapt, you saw it last year with Tyreek Hill, they start going short. So Tyreek Hill, dot went from – but but I, but I can I can stop you on that because of two years prior to he started fourteen plus games the last two years he went eight and ten because of injury even though he was injured he still had eight hundred yards I mean so but let's go through fun. let's go through this game log okay because because <laughs> as as we progress Hold as on, we progress through the season Tyler point. got cut off <laughs> we cut him off again let's go through this again let let, let him finish his sentence all right sure. sorry. I was actually making the same point okay, that Jared sure. was, which is the short area target in the three wide receiver system is going to end up with more than the 90 so targets that he worked with the last year. But the big thing with Tyler Boyd is cost. So Tyler Boyd is going off the board somewhere between wide receiver 48 and wide receiver 50, depending on what your draft you're doing. So realistically, he's not being drafted in what Jason would call those non-fancy drafts because they don't have the benches deep enough to sustain them. So realistically, in those drafts, he is a waiver wire pickup. But if you play with what they would call sharps, you're talking about the fourth or fifth wide receiver on your bench who can give you those 12 to 15 PPR points on any given week and is less likely to have the regression that Chase is because Chase was so dependent on those sort of low – low probability deep balls. Now, Chase will probably change up his game in the second year in the NFL. But for me, Tyler Boyd is – so I'm actually a Higgins over Chase guy at cost. Um, but Tyler Boyd is someone at the end of drafts that you can pick up who even without an injury is a bye week replacement, is an injury replacement, is somebody who can sustain that position because, I mean, the majority of the leagues that I play have three wide receivers. So you. you start those three and then a flex. You may end up starting four wide receivers in your lineup. So you're going to have a starting spot for him at a cost of, you know, a 13 or 14th round pick if you're playing in a 12-team league. Agreed. I agree with Sean 100% all around. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Sorry yeah, I, I cut you off. I apologize. <laughs> he gets excited. He gets excited. He right? I do, I do, I do, I do. Listen, uh, the point is it's very well made that he's a late-round guy. You're mm -hmm. going to expect – seven to 12 points from him, right? Seven to 12 points. Look, and then every once in a while he'll blow up, but he also has games of one reception, 11 yards, four receptions, 39 yards, one reception, seven yards, two receptions, 15, 13 yards. Like 
that has sprinkled throughout the back end, especially of his season last year, where, you know, last five games, he struggled to get, you know, he had one of nine for 118 against Jacksonville, which is, is a big outlier for the back half. But, you know, four receptions for 24 yards. Anybody anybody super excited about Tyler Boyd for four for I mean no, so I again, mean as yeah, a back right. half as a back half guy fine. That, 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 but what he said the value though. He's saying value at his ADP. Yeah. He said I, five weeks. There was sixteen. What are the other eleven? I bet you they're better well, than those five. So the, so again, he started off the season very well. If you look at his first half to his last half, but that last half is when T. Higgins came on. That last half is when Chase and T. Higgins were on the field more often together. What's the trend there? Again, the 119 was an outlier against Jacksonville at the back half of the game. There was one other big game there for 70-something yards, but like the trend was he started the season well. He finished the season as Higgins and Chase got more and more play together on the field, and especially Higgins, I believe, if I'm remembering last season properly, I remember Higgins starting off a little bit slow and getting better as the season went on. Some of that's Tyler Boyd stepping back and Higgins stepping up. That's not to say he's not a value in the 13th, 14th round. That's just saying, like, you know, we're talking about, oh, well, Boyd's going to step up and be one of these, again, 7 to 12 points, safe when you need a third wide receiver, sure. That's not what George was talking about when he was talking about drafting T. Higgins. But go ahead, George, you got your finger up. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you were looking at the schedule wrong. So he started out oh. great. Uh, his, his, did I reverse it again? You did yeah. it again. <laughs> so his his nine for 118 was week four. Okay. Since yeah. week four, he did four for 24, one for seven, four for 39, okay. five for 69, decent game in PPR, one for 11, six for 49. Okay, he got you 10 points there, two for 13. Kept creeping at the end. Like, like it, 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 it wasn't very good. Like, he's not somebody in most leagues – you're going to want to start. That's why I wouldn't go that deep with him. In order for him to return any type of, of value in a league most people are going to play in, it has to be one of the two guys ahead of him gets injured. He's somebody, yeah, absolutely, in the leagues we play in where we're starting three wide receivers for a flex or, or we have three flex options plus a super flex. Yeah, you know, T. Higgins, or I'm sorry, Tyler Boyd, somebody who's definitely on the radar. But most people who, who play in these leagues are, are, are not playing in leagues the same type of leagues we're playing in. They're not at the same level we are. And that's why Tyler Boyd in, Boyd in most of those leagues, you would never feel comfortable starting him at any given week. Because consistently, as T. Him. Higgins Flex. and as uh, Chase got better and better, he got worse and worse. All right. I'm going to give you my guy. Good. Steal of the draft, because you can probably get him with your last pick. <laughs> and even though – and I think Nino good, is going to talk about this for me, because he's on my he's on my steal of the draft, guys. Uh, <laughs> Troy Tremble Tommy with Tremble? Carolina Tommy, has – Tommy Tremble. Tommy, Tommy sorry. Tommy, 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 Tommy sorry, Tremble. Sorry, Tommy Tremble, right, has zero competition in that, in that tight end room. Baker targeted tight ends 130 times last year with with 19 drops over the last two years by tight ends, right? Including seven touchdown drops in red zones by tight ends the last two years. Tom, and that's between three tight ends had 96 receptions last year. 
Tommy Tremble plays with nobody but Ian Thomas, who's on the pup list and injured. He's a blocker. He's a blocker. That's all he does is block. Tommy Tremble is going to absolutely ball out with Baker Mayfield. Smash, smash, smash. 60 plus receptions, and I'm a. I would even say 75, and you can put it on the bathroom board. I'm with you. I'll take it. I'm with you. Who wants it? We're close. We're over an hour, so we got to close this thing up. 60 plus. On that? Who wants it? I see Sean. He's got that smirk on. He wants to hop on it. Uh, no. You you you're going against it? <clears throat> No, I have no issue with Tommy Tremble. I mean, okay. they traded Dan Arnold away to give Tommy Tremble more playing time last year. I agree. Year. He, he just had a ter- terrible, terrible quarterback. Georgie, we're at an hour and five minutes. That's Wrap this up, my man. We, uh, this is your specialty. <laughs> what, what is my specialty? Closing it out. <laughs> yeah, I got to work on that. Uh, <laughs> well, you're so I, good I was, at opening it up, man. I was going to ask real quick before we before we do get out of here. I know we're we're pushing a little over an hour, but that's okay. Uh, we're having we're having good conversations here. Does anybody want to talk about the NFL alternate uniforms? Like we touched a little bit on the college ones, but the big thing right now is all the NFL teams are coming out with their with their new ones. I just want to know. Hey, I'm just liking the helmet change. Old. Yeah, Cincinnati's uh, all white. That's what I want to know. Like which. Which team is your favorite alternate uniform so far? The all-white bangle is nasty, bro. It's so nasty. It's so clean. I saw someone comment on the post saying it's like Siberian Tiger or something. That's whatever it was. That shit was fire. So so right now, here are the teams that have come out with new uniforms, uh, or at least new helmets. The Eagles alternate helmet is black. The Bengals is white with black stripes. The Panthers right. is black and blue. The Cowboys is just all white with the with the blue star. The Commanders, the Texans, the Falcons. I love really like the Falcons. The Giants, the Patriots. The Texans the all red is that Texans That's, all red helmet is is fire. That, uh, so for me the and I and I dislike the Panthers, but the Panthers that blue against that black that that looks good, man. Like it does look good. That looks all black great. looks good. And I said this before, how cool would it be for the Panthers when they play the Bengals to go all black against all white? It would be so clean, bro. You know, it'd be way better. It'd be way better than the color rush. I can remember Tampa playing playing the Rams, and it was red versus yellow. It was ketchup and mustard. Uh, So the Bucks are wearing the uh, the creamsicles this year. I'm good with that. Listen, they've been trying to get – so the, the the NFL had this rule about not changing your helmet in the middle of the season for a while. Yeah. So Tampa was looking to wear those creamsicles ever since they signed Tommy. Yep. And they haven't been able to get him in one of those orange uniforms. They want to sell them orange uniforms with Tom Brady's name on the back. Well, the Pats are bringing back the red ones. Pats yep. are Patriot. Thank God. They're the best uniforms ever. Flying Elvis can go kick rocks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love the classic, you know, Patriot in a stance. I think yeah, it's one of the Patrick. cleanest looks. I love it, dude. It's my Patrick it's it's one of my favorite looks. I hate Sean, what the about, what about chain. you, Sean? Which one which one is your favorite? Let's get so, you here. I haven't seen most of them. The only one that I've seen is the Bears, which is horrible. Um that yeah, orange helmet. Well for them. <laughs> it's so bad. The, so the Bears the, I will say that the Bears they, they literally they took the product on the field and said, How can we make that a uniform? <laughs> <laughs> <Poop>. <laughs> yeah, it's and so they bad. Did, 
And they did it. I mean, it matches so well. Sean, if you can, real quick, uh, check your Twitter, because I'm going to tweet you the list of all of the helmets. I just did that. I just tagged you in a list of all the helmets. Hey, you know so what? Real quick, Georgie, we'll, we'll, we'll close out at 110. Sean wrote a, wrote a fire article. We dropped that today, the first one. I'm not going to knock yours, George. Your, your, your five NFL coaches, top five. Fire, fire. But Sean dropped it, and he's got a big series coming. It's 32 teams. We were just talking about people at their current ADP. Sean, go get them. So the person, the person that I'm probably reaching for above ADP is there's, – there's quite a few. But in the top half of the draft, it's Travis Etienne. So I'm a big Travis Etienne stand, and that's not exactly a, a secret. <laughs> and in the middle for me, it's probably uh, – that's, that's a hard one. So in the middle, it's probably Trey Lance. Just considering the amount – the uncertainty is dropping him in the drafts that I'm drafting in right now. I know George's thoughts on Trey Lance. I don't think we were talking about it on here, but I know from Scott Fishbowl conversations. And in the back half, it's Khalil Herbert. So the person that I'm fading the most is David Montgomery, and it ties into the Herbert conversation. So the new the new coaching staff loves Herbert and loves what they saw last year. Granted, they weren't the coaching staff last year. <clears throat> Montgomery has also had some issues in the past couple of years staying healthy. So I think what will happen is, is that you're realistically you're getting Montgomery somewhere between rounds two and three, depending on size of draft, and there are a lot of different variables there, PPR, non-PPR. But realistically, for the vast majority of people that are watching this, it's somewhere in the third round. Herbert is a 12th, 13th round pick. I think I picked him up in the 14th round in the Scott Fishbowl. He's somebody who has viability as a top 12 running back if Montgomery gets hurt, but is a decent flex option if he doesn't. In the middle with Trey Lance, it's probably one of those things where you're going to hedge your risk. So I've been drafting a lot of Trey Lance with Kirk Cousins or Trey Lance with Derek Carr. And doing that because Trey Lance has the ability to be a top five quarterback, just simply with the Konami code sort of aspect of what he is. He scored over 20 points in one half in a game. So there is that. And then in the very beginning of the draft, it's Travis Etienne. For me, I see DeAndre Swift. So people, all of the many negatives of he's going to be in a shared backfield if Robinson comes back and he plays on a horrible offense. Those were all things that were said. And then we saw with DeAndre Swift last year. The problem is, is that you have the same situation where you don't have the pass catchers that are going to demand the targets. Christian Kirk will demand some targets, but not a lot of them, not an overwhelming amount. You have Jamal Williams last year with Detroit. You have James Robinson this year with Jacksonville. I think Robinson will not necessarily be the same first year back from injury. I think ETN will be a top 12 running back, and you're drafting him somewhere in the fourth round. Now, this is a big caveat of time of Time of conversation is we are currently at July 24th. I expect once training camp starts and people see ETN on a field playing that his ADP is going to spike. So this may not be a relevant conversation four weeks from now. (laughs) But for me, the fate is Montgomery. He's in the last year of his deal. He's got another running back behind him that's capable. And he has a quarterback who is not afraid to run the ball around the goal line. So some of those, you know, some of those goal line touches that he was getting before when you're drafting, you're drafting, most people are drafting Montgomery before ETN. I would flip those two. Lance is the upside. Lance is probably the one that I'm the most skeptical of personally. There's so much the, the, the range of outcomes for everyone in San Francisco. When you run numbers, 
is wide. Kittle, Debo Samuel, everyone. I think he'll be successful. I think the problem with him is how successful. Because Jimmy G is not going to be there, so he's going to get a full season to run with it. So you may have some weeks where if you run scoring that's heavily weighted towards efficiency, he may end up scoring 5, 10 points, and there would be other weeks where he scores 40. I think the, the wild fluctuation, he's a perfect best ball candidate because the wild fluctuation is going to at times kill you but will win you weeks. But those would be the three people that I'm targeting, probably most heavily ETN and Herbert. I'm trying to grab Herbert in as many drafts as possible, and I'm not drafting a whole lot of David Montgomery unless he slips. In some drafts, he's slipping because there is a lot of fading of the entire Chicago offense right now. So Montgomery, Mooney, Komet, although Komet is sort of a fantasy industry darling at the moment. <laughs> but those would be my three guys in the, in the draft. And the fade would be Montgomery, not because of talent, because I think situation is going to change. He had such a lion's share of the targets and the tar- targets to, you know, control that offense over the past couple of years. I think the, the coaching staff, both due to the fact that he's been injured the last couple of years and the fact that he has a talented backup, is going to go to a committee. And I think that will take him out of that top 12 because there's not enough efficiency given the offense and there's not enough touchdown potential to bring him into the top 12. That's why I have Herbert as a dynasty diamond because when he came in in that four to five week span, he balled out and showed that just you give me the rock and I can do it. And he's on a rookie deal. Montgomery's not. So I agree with you 100%. George, you, you want to close this thing out or you want me to close it? What do you want to do? Nah, I got it. I, I need practice on this. All so right. first off, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, if you like what you heard, go to us the titles on YouTube, Twitter. We're basically everywhere. Subscribe, like the show, give us a review. Uh, we have our Patreon, Patreon account. You can go to uh, patreon.com backslash toilet titles. You can join us there. Um, I want to thank everybody that jumped on tonight. Jason, Boomer, Nino, Sean. Thank you guys for coming in. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, we'll do this again next week. I know next week is going to be another big week for us. I, I know Sean's got some articles coming out with his 32 for 32. Uh, Monday morning, I believe Nino and, and Boomer up there have their P2P. Um, 12 hours. Yes, sir. Monday, Monday, Monday evening, Nino and I have our uh, 49ers with Eric Crocker review and Mike, Mike Hoff from uh, FF Faceoff. Uh, we also have Bob Lung coming on tomorrow evening as well for uh, with me, and Coach, to do talk a little bit about the FF Expo that some of us are going to in Canton this year. So we've got a lot of good things coming up, a lot of great people coming on. We're all working hard. So hit, hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button so you get alerted when we come on. And with that, gentlemen, I want to say have a great evening, and we'll do it again next week. Later.